Hello, I'm Pastor Joe Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship, coming live to your device all the way from Beijing, China. Enjoy this podcast while you're driving your car, maybe doing household chores, or even your morning devotion. As you join us today, I trust the living Word of God to touch your life. His name is Yeshua, and He is Lord of all. Check us out online at anif.cc. Okay, and if God is your father, he is your source. You don't need techniques. He said, be like little children. Go to him and say, daddy, I want. Hello? That's the parable of the prodigal son. Two sons in the same house. And one was slaving and laboring. And yet the father says, everything I have is yours. You can be in God's house, slaving and laboring. And yet you don't know that what God has is yours. Okay. Let's move on. So, this is Jacob, son of Isaac. Who was Isaac's father, Abraham. Now, what you need to understand is that when it comes to walking with God, if you are a child of God and you are walking with God, please understand God deals with us differently. Hello? In the time of Abraham, when you read in the Bible, I think in Genesis chapter 12, it says there was a famine. And Abraham went down into Egypt. Remember? Where he said his wife was his sister. Okay? That was God's dealing with Abraham at that time. Go down to Egypt. Because there's a famine. Leave the land, go to Egypt. In the time of Isaac, there was another famine. And I think in Genesis chapter 26... God says to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Stay in this land and I'll bless you here. Hello? If Isaac wasn't listening to God, he was going to say, no, 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 during famine my father went to Egypt. So I'm going to Egypt. God said, no, don't go to Egypt. You stay here. I will bless you here. And God reveals to Isaac the wells. They dug up the wells and the Bible says he sowed in famine and he reaped a hundredfold. Because he had water. He knew. God showed him where to get water. And for each one of us, God has got a specific way of dealing with us when it comes to finances. In the case of Jacob, when the famine came, God's strategy with Jacob was to sell his son, Joseph, into Egypt. It was Joseph who brought Jacob into Egypt and had prepared everything. That was God's way of dealing with him. But Jacob had stayed in Canaan. So how does God deal with you? Do you know the strategy? Or are you copying someone else's formula? That's good. Hello? I call it the cow syndrome. You know the cow syndrome? When one cow starts off to go to the water, what happens? The whole herd follows. And in the church, it's the same thing. When one becomes a prophet, what happens? Everyone is a prophet. And if every prophet prophesies on 31st December, every other prophet is prophesying on 31st December. I don't know if it happens here. In Africa, it does. Always telling us about which president is going to die, what is going to happen in what what country. And I ask, is this the way God is dealing with us now? Find out God's plan for you. 
Be where God wants you to be. And there he will provide for you. Amen? Amen. Don't be an imitator. They say the carbon copies end up where? In the waste paper basket. Be original. Amen. Amen. So God deals with us differently. He doesn't deal with us the same. He's got a different plan for each one of us and he's got a different way of providing for each one of us. Uh, I know what it means to struggle. I once struggled. Uh, In my home, we joke with my kids about salted fish. They hated salted fish because at the time, it's like that's all we could eat. You know, salted fish, maize grits. And I remember very, very clearly in 1996, I prayed, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I've had enough. I don't want any more struggles in 1997. Hello? And I don't know whether I was being original or what. I prayed something like this. I said, I want in 10 years' time to be giving 10 times what I'm giving today. I want to walk out of poverty. I want to walk out of rank. In 10 years' time, I want to be giving 10 times what I'm giving today. And in 1997, I found myself in Angola, in a peacekeeping mission, as a chaplain. And one day, my soldiers came and said, there's a, there's a pastor in the Unita camp. He wants to see you. I said, he wants to see me. How did he know? He says, no, he's heard about you, that you're a chaplain here, and he wants to see you. So I got on a truck, and I drove into the quartering area where the Unita rebels were, were staying, and I found this man. Dirty old room, they had set up a table, a few plastic cups, some bread, and some juice, and he said, sit. A very old man, and he looked at me and he said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I am. He says, no, you can't be. You're too young. He says, look at me. In Namibia, where I come from, this is the age at which people become pastors. Old men. And I have to travel from Namibia into Angola to come and do baptisms, you know, visiting, teaching. If at your age you are serving God, this is what he told me. If at your age you are serving God. 1997, how old was I? I can't remember. I was 32, I think. If at your age you are serving God, I'm going to pray. I want God to bless you. And he told me, kneel down here. So I knelt down before him in my uniform. I don't know his name. I don't know where he came from. No. And he prayed for me. And he said, God bless this young man. Because he's serving you. He said a lot of things that have come to pass in my life. It was the first time I met him and it was the last time I met him. But from that day onwards, up to today, I attribute whatever God has done in my life to that meeting. Nothing else. That old man simply asked God to bless me. And God has blessed me. I'm not saying you meet an old man who will pray for you. And then, I don't know how God will deal with you. But always have this desire to say, Lord, in the area of my finances, if there's lack, please deal with me. Take it away. Because God does not want you to struggle. And God doesn't want you to be using formulas either. He 
He wants you to depend on the abundance that he puts into your hands. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's move away from Genesis. Let's go to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians. There are two chapters in 2 Corinthians on giving, chapter 8 and chapter 9. Usually we we talk about chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That is God's will for you. Amen. But today let's look at chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brothers, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. This they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us, by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would finish in you the same grace also. Okay? Paul is talking about the grace that God had bestowed on the church in Macedonia. Okay, the grace to give. That's what the pastor calls it. And in verse 6, he says, we would love for Titus to finish in you the same grace also. Okay. Now, go on further in the chapter. Let's start from uh, verse 19. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us by this grace, which is administered by us for the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready minds. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So, there's this grace. Amen? That God places on the church. It's a grace of giving. A grace is a gift. And uh, it is something that very few people desire. I don't know why. People desire a gift of prophecy, speaking in tongues, healing, working of miracles. But there's this grace of giving. And somewhere in this uh, passage... Paul says, in the same way, you know that you have excelled in prophecy, in speaking, and in all these other gifts. See that you excel in this grace of giving. Amen? You see, there is a grace of giving. Where you don't understand how that you can give 
beyond your means. It's good to give offerings. It's good to give tithes. But what happens when the tithe is not enough? Hello? Uh, if we have to pay 3,000 RMB for the whole, and all of us give honestly our tithes, diligently give our tithes, and we still can't raise enough money, what happens? God's grace must set in. And I don't believe God's grace for giving sets in for special, special occasions. Like I said earlier on, I don't believe it was God's will for Jesus every day to say, Lord, now today we're going to feed the 5,000, so can we have special grace for today? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? God's grace sets in always everywhere, but you must tap into it. You must be willing. God will not force it on you. You'll not come and say, look, I've seen there's lack in this church. So now I'm forcing this grace on you as a church. There must be a desire. We must desire the operation of the Holy Spirit. We can have a bunch of sick folk in this church. But if we don't desire to see healing in the church, it will not come. Hello? People will be dying, but God's grace to heal them is available because those of us who are still alive are not willing to tap into God's grace for healing. Mm -hmm. Same with deliverance. People will be walking bound. Not because God is God cannot deliver them, but those of us who are able to deliver them are not doing anything about it. It is the same with finances in the church. Listen to me. If we are content that the elder every Sunday should stand in front of the church and say, look, we need more money. It's good to make the needs of the church known. But if that is what we are content with, God will leave us there. Hello? But God says, look, I've got this grace of giving. Step into it. It's yours. It is none of your business to find out where the money will come from. Leave it to God. Yours is to say, Lord, I'm here, I'm a vessel. I want to be one of those who will flow in this grace of giving. And God will give you that grace. Do you really believe what I'm saying? There is a grace of giving. I know it's good to give offerings. It's good to give tithes. It's expected of you. And it's a sign that you're a Christian. But there's a grace that goes above that. But it is not given just like that. You've got to have the desire. Are you moved when you see orphans who are hungry? Are you moved when you see people struggling with needs? Are you moved when you see that pastors, the pastor cannot fulfill his obligations because there isn't enough money? Maybe God wants to work through you. Hello? Yes, I know. It's one of the strategies to do business. But some of us are not businessmen. I have failed to do business. You know why? I'm not good at collecting debts. If I sell you things and you don't pay for them, I struggle. 
So I opt not to do business. But I ask God, give me grace in other ways. Because business is not for me. It's for others, but not for me. If we could do business so that all of us would raise money, maybe we would do business. But not all of us can do business. But with the grace of God, if you have that desire, if your heart is to put finances into the church, I don't doubt that God will bestow this grace on you. Because he knows that ultimately the resources will be placed where I want them to be placed. Amen? Amen. At times we struggle because we are not walking at the level where God wants us to be. We are content with a pen and a paper. Okay, this month my tithe so much. Is it always enough? Hello? Let's go to Psalm 1. It's a very common psalm. Maybe I'll finish there. I said I'll be brief. Take your time. Psalm 1. Verse 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, the tree, the two trees in the garden, amen, and throughout the scripture, and you shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. We are referred to in the Bible as trees. That's right. Understand? Where does the tree come from? It comes from a seed. Have you ever seen a seed? What does it look like? Very small. Very small compared to the tree. You know, a seed is very small compared to the tree. But when you plant it, what happens? It grows. It grows. Now, I sat back one day and asked myself, where do the leaves come from? Where do the roots come from? Because there's nothing in the seed. When you break it open... Time is just pale white. There's nothing inside. But it contains everything. The roots, the trunk, the branches, the leaves, the flowers, and the fruit is in the seed. Hello? It must be planted. Then it grows. Hello? It grows. And the seeds are different. This one I like. The seeds are different. Of tomato seeds, bean seeds, corn seeds, what are orange? Grain. 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 Okay. Now there are certain seeds. You plant them in a short period, they grow, they bring forth their fruits, and after that, that's it. For example, corn. In one season it will grow, bear the corn, you pluck the corn, no more corn. It has to die. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
But the orange tree, when you plant the seed, it takes time to grow. It takes time to grow. It takes time to grow. Seasons may pass. There may be no fruit. Hello? Then one day, it brings forth fruit. First fruit of oranges. Maybe small. And people will come, they'll pluck, they'll eat. Maybe the oranges may not be that sweet. But the tree never dies. Next season, it produces. And the other season, it produces. The other season, it produces. Shift and picture yourself as a tree. Hello? And say, Lord, I want to be a tree. I don't want to be a vegetable plant. I don't want to be corn. I want to be a tree. As it is described in the Bible. Planted where? By the waters. Whether there's drought or no drought, in season, I will produce. Hello? Jesus told them a parable of a fig tree. Say the gardener came, the master came and said, this fig tree, three years now, no fruit. Cut it down. He said, no, 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 no. One more year. Water it will manure it. And then if it doesn't bring forth fruit, we'll cut it down. At times, the tree doesn't produce fruit because the conditions are not right. You may be struggling, you may not be producing financially because conditions around you are not right. If that's the case, you simply ask God and say, Lord, if there's anything in my life that hinders me from producing fruit, remove it. Water me, manure me. Let me produce fruit. Hello? But the thing about being a tree And I want you to hear me very, very carefully. Because most of the times, when a man of God stands at the pulpit and says, let's talk about money, you're all thinking about the next car you're going to drive. You know, now money for me to meet my needs. That's fine, I say it. You know, God wants you to have money to meet your needs, meet the needs of others, and then to have more left over. I think that is God's standard as portrayed in Jesus. Wherever Jesus ministered, leftovers. 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 And until there can be leftovers in the church, we haven't arrived at God's standard. We are below. Yes, the older may stand up and say, yes, our budget, we met all the needs. And ask him, say, was there any leftover? The next year we should do more. Okay, so I was speaking about the tree. The thing about the tree is this. Number one, it doesn't decide where it's going to be planted. Says, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Are you where the Lord planted you to be? You can't thrive if you're not planted in the right place. Hello? 
Some seeds fell on the path they were trodden. Some fell among the thorns. But some onto good ground. So where have you been planted? Is that where God wants you to be? Ask yourself. Maybe I'm struggling because I'm in the wrong place. You know, if I come to China, then I see Pastor Joe is doing well in China. I think I'm going to sell everything in Zambia. I'm coming to do ministry in China. Two, three years down the line, I begin to struggle. I know one of my friends were together in Bible college. He said, no, 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 you know, I'm leaving Zambia. I'm going to the States. <laughs> what are you going to do in the States? I'm going to do ministry there. Did God tell you to go to the States? He says, no, I can't make it here. What makes you think you'll make it there? That's right. He went to the States and he ended up a destitute. He wasn't planted by the Lord there. Are you planted by the Lord? Are you sure? If you're planted by the Lord, you thrive. You produce your fruits. But you see, if God plants you, if God gives you growth, if God bears the fruit through you, simply a tree. You will not decide who will come to pluck and eat of your fruit. Hello? And that is one of the struggles that we have where finances are concerned. We want to control what we have. When we pray, when we ask God to bless us, Lord, I want my finances to grow. God will fulfill your finances will grow. But how much control does he have after your finances have grown? Will he come and say, take a thousand dollars and give it to my work? Or you say, no, Lord, a thousand is too much. We can't. <laughs> the tree does not decide who eats of its fruit. The tree just bears the fruit. The gardener is the one who builds a fence and says, you go in and eat. Hello? And this is where we have a struggle. Because we want to decide where to place our finances. The will is still too strong. You see, if... um, Pastor comes and says, I'm buying me a new car. What car do you like? Me? Yes. Uh, I like BMW or Cadillac. Ah, BMW or Cadillac. Someone comes and says, Pastor, here's a new BMW 735i. Brand new. Oh, wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Next week, the person comes and says, Pastor, you know, I have a problem. My car's broken down. Can I use your car? Pastor says, no, 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 you know, this car is special. It's BMW 735. See, <laughs> but I bought it for you. Most of the times, that's the way we behave towards God. That's right. Everything that we have, he gave to us. It's not our own. Amen. But we struggle. We decide where to place the resources. God is looking for people who will have resources ready to dispose of at any time. Those are the ones on whom we bestow special grace. Hello? So, where do you stand with God today? 
Do you know him? Are you walking in his grace? Are you ready to be like a tree? Or you only want for yourself. Maybe to buy a new iPhone. You won't walk in God's provision. Um, Moses went up to pray. Remember? He lifted up his hands and his hands grew tired. There are people who hold up his hands. I believe everyone in the ministry grows tired financially. It's a stress. I've been there. Okay? Everyone in the ministry goes, grows tired financially. And at a certain time, they need someone to say, look, we'll share this financial burden with you. You can't bear it alone. Help, let us help you we'll hold up your hands. And those are the type of people that God is looking for. Who say, look, Pastor Joe, this burden is too much for you alone. Help, let, let me help you. You understand what I'm saying? And he gives you special grace. Not because you're going to buy a new iPhone, but he knows this one is going to support my work. And you go on and on and on and on and on. And believe me, even when there's a shaking around, you know, stocks fall, currency is devalued, uh, people are crying, there are always God's people who say, that famine, that drought is not going to affect me. Not because they are intelligent, but God's grace is available for them. Amen. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. When I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can Turn from your way of doing things to His way. And His way is the right way because He made you. And He made you for a purpose. And He knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to Him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now. 
in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like you to contact me, and we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life, because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com, or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.